This is the business of life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. So, it's no big secret that my life, my personal life, my professional life, my every waking hour has somehow been attached to my parents getting older. That's I kind of been living, breathing, and trying to figure out how to deal with my mom more than anything. My dad since passed away, but when I get stopped on the street now, Arlene, it has nothing to do with music anymore, which is a little bit sad to me sometimes. But if it's the grocery store or the gas station or yeah. wherever I am, I read your blog about your mom. I'm going through the same thing. And very emotional. You know, these these people, the caregivers are just at the end of their ropes. They're either starting on the journey, they're in the middle of the journey, or they've just lost their parent. And it's it's happening to us on a scale that is, I don't think, been seen before. Well, the you, boomers you, are getting older. You gave a voice to Alzheimer's that didn't exist before because you were so honest and, and are so honest and transparent about the journey you're on with your mom. And... I mean, every time I read your blogs, I cry because I, I can, because we can all, I'm not all, but anyone of our generation has and whose parents are still alive is dealing with some version of the story, whether they have Alzheimer's or whether they're sick or whether they're failing or whether they are starting to lose their memory or whether they're... Lack of mobility, lack incontinence. Of mobility and all, whoever called it the, the golden years, it is, there's nothing golden about those years. I mean, there really isn't anything golden about those years from a perspective of, and, and you know... <laughs> I read this. There was a. I didn't read it. There was a. Um, did I did I say this to you when we were talking about this the other day? Mm-mm. There was a lady on CBC that was on. I think it was on Cross Country or one of the one of the talk shows, and. They were talking to people in a seniors' residence. <laughs> no, this wasn't this, me. No, this this little old lady. So there we go. I'm this this woman got on and she said uh, she said. If one more person calls me dear, I'm going to just get so mad at them. She said, I'm not your dear. She said, and I'm not your honey. And don't talk to me like I'm a child. I'm an adult. And I thought, oh, we do. How many of us talk to our parents like they're kids? And she was basically said, don't talk to me like a kid. I'm not a kid. I'm, an, you know, like in her case. Well, people she, can be very condescending to older very people. Very condescending. Very patronizing to older yeah. people. Um, you speak to them in a, in some kind of in some kind of way that you are making light of their time and experience and wisdom and yeah. sageness on this planet. Yeah. And it's not yeah. fair to them at all. We have a long way to go in how we how we treat our senior citizens. And that's exactly what they are. I mean, I'm on, the, I'm on the cusp. I, I just, well, I, I think the lack of respect, I think younger people think they're immortal and, and they really don't think, younger people do not think they will ever be that. Oh, I'm not going to be like that. Well, what do you think you're going to be like that? You're either going to be dead or you're going to you're going to be what? a you're going to be a, a person whose body is failing them and his, his stuff goes sideways and you know, using depends probably. I mean, there's a litany of things that go wrong. I mean, a lot of people do quite well. I think there's statistically most old people, most senior citizens die in their own homes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. 
but there's a great majority. I mean, that's interesting. I, just, I, but it just, I'm not saying a great amount more. Yeah. I mean, it could be like the election where it's a very close call. Um, it could be, you know, really neck and neck. But yeah, we hope we only hope that we can be one of those people. But a lot of those people live in squalor. They they are sitting in their own urine. They're not eating properly. They have uh, companies that are bringing them meals a couple of times a week. They have you know uh, no some some kind of maybe a niece or a grandchild or somebody that comes and helps them for a couple of hours. But for generally, you know. Most people are ending up in an assisted living situation, and most people can't afford a really nice place because they don't have upwards of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a month to after facilitate taxes, that after taxes. after taxes. With what you're saving, you'd know more about the the uh, financial side of retirement and what you actually need to look after yourself. But I mean, look, I have no kids. You have children. And grandchildren that are going to look after Grandma Arlene. I am going to have to hire the Mormons, just like Howard Hughes. Go back to your mom for a minute. Yeah. Or maybe for more than a minute. Because I, I – when did you first notice that she was starting to – I know exactly the moment. Yeah. It's so – I mean, we were sitting at her kitchen table. My sister-in-law had come to visit. Having tea. She said to mom and I, oh, my gosh, I meant to tell you guys, the cat died. Um, my sister-in-law is married to my older brother who's incarcerated. Mm -hmm. He is married. He's got kids and grandkids and the whole nine yards. But uh, anyway, he just said, don't mention anything to him about the cat dying because Dre will be upset. You know, the cat was quite old. And I don't know, for whatever reason, she wanted to tell him. She didn't want us to say anything. Just happenstance. She pulls out of the driveway. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. It was like 20 seconds later, the phone rings. It's my brother calling from the, the institution my mom picks it up and realizes that it's Dre. The first thing that came out of her mouth was that your cat died. I'm like mouthing. You weren't even supposed to say anything about the cat. And why are you doing that? I was just furious. I was veins. She goes, well, I didn't know that. And it was completely gone. And I think I was in denial for four years after that moment. Um but she started to slide from that point on. Especially after my dad's death. My dad's yeah. been dead three years this August. So they were having lots of trouble. I had actually hired part-time people to come in and help them with meals. And I was still traveling 225 plus days a year. So I couldn't be there all the time, even though they were living 100 yards from my house. Mm -hmm. um, my parents had built a house on my property. So um, when you have a couple that's been married almost 60 years, they have a dance that they do. It's symmetrical. Where one finishes, the other starts. It's, it's, it's actually a very beautiful thing and a somewhat precarious thing because they cover for each other, and mm -hmm. that's what they do. Mm -hmm. My dad had dementia, uh, and my mom was well in her way of having Alzheimer's disease. They started making mistakes with medication. I mean, I can recall one time when my mom took a whole package of her Coumadin, which is a blood thinner, and ended up with, you know, blood coming out in her stool. And, and it was quite dangerous, and she had to be hospitalized. And, you know, she just took the whole package. Well, I thought that's what I was supposed to take. And I still was in denial. I still clung on to this, well, it was a one-off, and anyone could make that kind of mistake. And my dad said, well, I shouldn't have left those out, and, you know, kind of covering for her. And um, it just kind of spiraled down. And when he passed away... Um, all hell broke loose. I realized, we all realized how 
how far gone she was with the disease. It's amazing how they worked in tandem. They just hid things. You know, they didn't they didn't come to me with a lot of their problems initially because they knew I was just getting mad. I mean, I would fix a remote five, six, seven times a day. Sometimes it was in the dog food. They'd be trying to use the phone to change the channel. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, there's lots of funny things about it, but mostly it was just, just, I was, everything was so fear-based. Do you ever wonder if, how she would feel about you sharing that stuff? Do you ever think about that? Because mm-hmm. I've thought a lot about that with my mom, you know, what she'd be comfortable with me sharing or not. And Which you have. You've shared quite a bit yeah. about your mom as yeah. well. Yeah. But what? But what? Like sometimes it's 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 so helpful to everybody to hear it, and then you wonder if they would be okay with it. You know. Well, there's so much shame attached to memory loss diseases. There's a lot of shame, which is why everyone lives in darkness about it because you feel like you've done something wrong. But here's a person, 82 years old, who has no recollection of their life. But um, yeah, she. I think she'd be sad in a way about it and I think she'd also be cheering me on I don't think I have a conclusive answer for you I feel like the part of her that I knew very well would be like oh can you believe that that woman you know had all those pictures about her mom when she was sick and things like that I can hear that part of my mom on this shoulder and the other shoulder I can hear her saying well of course you should help as many people as you can and I wouldn't know the difference anyway how the hell would I know Mm -hmm. then there's that part of my mom Mm-hmm. So it's very, I'm very conf- conflicted about it, but I know mm-hmm. it's helped people. And I have said to mom, I said, mom, you're you. kind of famous. Oh, it, I think her disease was more for me than it was, you know, you always think, oh God, why does he do that to people? And you're always like looking f- mm-hmm. for someone to blame. But I am a much better version of myself than I was before all of this happened. I think I've learned, really learned about empathy. I've really learned about caring for somebody. I've learned to you know, stuff shame and embarrassment and all those things to the side and not let it slow me down because I was ashamed of it. You're like, you have your mom in a store and she's saying nonsensical things and wandering off and, and you know, she's repeating herself to the clerk over and over and over and over and I'm just like feeling embarrassed and I finally stopped doing that. I'd finally just say, yeah, mom, because I knew that they knew. And that's their problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. But she, um, I, I feel angry still a lot about uh, this kind of a disease. You know, here, here's a person that her whole life has been lost to her. Like all the memories that make up a person. And you think, well, is that, is that what it's all about, our memories? Is that what defines a human life? Mom said to me one day, you know, you don't have to remember things to be happy. So she always left me with these pearls of wisdom that really resonated. It was it was things I would think about for weeks. It's a great line. It's true, right? I mean, in fact, if we live too much in our memories, we can't be happy in the moment because we're so far yes. living in the past that we don't, you know, we don't find the happiness in the now. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a great way to put it. I'm surprised that the Alzheimer's Association hasn't called you and asked oh, you Oh, they, they have big time. There's, they've wanted to do documentaries on mom and stuff. I've declined it all. I think I do know where my, my lines are have yeah. to be drawn. And I, and I do want to support them and I do want to bring awareness. And I think the book that I wrote about my mom, which mm-hmm. is a very journal mm-hmm. style, it's, it's just a day-to-day mm-hmm. life. I call it my book of mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's called Feeding My Mother, if you're so interested. 
but um, Go buy it. but it's not an information book of what to do and what not to do with Alzheimer's. So anyone that's looking for any kind of certification of an expert, uh, you know, advice, that's not it. This is just from a caregiver point of view, from a daughter's point of view. But it's it's such a like even now with mom. I'll, I'm actually going to go see her after you and I part ways today, and and she just is a shadow. She's a ghost of her old self. So the person that I'm going to visit, I don't know. She still knows who I am. Well, I thought you'd never get here, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen you for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was there two days ago, mm-hmm. and I miss her. Sometimes I'll just sit on the bed beside her and hang onto her arm and just breathe her all in and try and find the moment and you miss the person she was. wonder what she'd say to me like I can't ask her for advice and I can't tell her that you know what do I do with this and what did you I mean I'm clearing out her house now too um it's almost a ritual for any people that have lost someone um when your parents leave all this stuff behind and you're going through their lives I mean I found the joy of sex this big book um, <laughs> under their bed and shut up. You yeah, did you? Yeah. Oh, and I under their bed. Yeah. It was just, it was the under, joy of sex. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it looked like it had been thumbed through. <laughs> um, and I and, guess, and as well, Warren, was it? There was dog ears on certain pages. There was dog ears. And I have not looked at what was dog eared. No, there's some things I don't want to know, but. You know, How old is that book? A thousand years old. I don't even think the joyous sex is the joyous sex anymore. Like the joyous sex it's then. It's how not to get pregnant, I think. <laughs> it's like missionary style. How to avoid STDs. No, I mean, <laughs> what is it? so many of those positions don't work on a tour bus. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. No, I'm, I'm totally teasing. But, you know, the there's so many things that are attached to losing a parent. I mean, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, my mother has very much prepared me for her death. So Alzheimer's, some people will disagree with me, but I always thought, how will I ever, ever get through my mom passing away? Because we've always been so close. My dad and I were always, we had a very contentious relationship. And that's just the way it was. I've forgiven him a lot now as as the years go by. But my mom and I were always very close. We had our go-rounds, trust me. We had our battles. Well, your face looks like a pie when you cut your hair like that. I mean, who (laughs) else can tell you that but your mother, right? Your face looks like a pie. And well, I don't know why. I don't know why you don't wear a short sleeve sh- shirt. There's nothing wrong with your arms, you know. But there was just buttons she could push with me that you know what it's like, Arlene. Oh yeah, my mom used to tell me, "Would get your hair out of your face so we could see your face." God gave you a face. He didn't just give you a head of hair. Like, would you? You're very known for your hair, which is ironic <laughs> that you're even bringing that up because you're very known <laughs> for your I hair. Got a streak. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, our moms will, our, and and that's it is. It's it's if, if our parents aren't happy with us, it's incredibly difficult to. You are always wanting their approval, right? You always want your parents' approval. So you must now go through. And actually, my mom has gotten a lot. Uh, she she's gotten a lot. Uh, she's in love actually right now. So what? She's, yeah, she's she's in love with this ninety year old gentleman she's met. Where? And, and she's met him. She lives in a senior's residence. Okay. And um, and she's still there quite like she knows who you are and yes, but she does definitely. have a bit of yeah. She knows who I am. She she you know she can be forgetful on her meds. She can you know um, she can she forgets to sometimes 
the phone is uh, anything that technology attached to it can be a troublesome thing. You know, like sometimes oh, get on just, board, right? Yeah, I'm for right all of behind us. her. But I do get a lot of I, you haven't seen me in a year, and I was there. You know, or yeah. I haven't talked to you in forever, and I went okay. But I don't. I'm not as listen. I this is going to sound horrible. I, I think I'm a good daughter. I I know I'm a good daughter, but I think you're an amazing daughter. Like I, 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 like I think I, I mean, I would do anything for my mother, anything, but I'm not as I, I'm, I, maybe it's just not in me as, even though I am a mother and I've got, and I'm a grandmother and I'm a daughter, I don't, don't quite know how to be, I'll take care of people. I'm, I'm, I'm a fixer, but I'm not so certain I'm the. You had siblings, yeah? I had, yeah, I have two sisters. Two sisters, but I. They're in, you know. You're, the, you're an only child. The, no, you're not an only child. I, I have you two brothers, two but my older brother's been in jail for 25 years, yeah. coming up 26 years. When and I'm my younger brother, you know. Um, and, and do they help with your mom? My or? little brother does. Yeah, he does. Um, they they go and see her. You know, he's got kids. Both He's got kids, and he's, his wife has got kids. And, you know, Patrick works, and he actually, he works on the oil patch. So he's gone two or three weeks at a time and then home. And I know what it's like to do that. You get home and you've got a right. billion things to do. But he goes and sees mom. You know, he's up there once a week. Hmm. But you're the daughter. And, I think a but, lot more falls I, on the daughter. But they right? lived 100 yards from me. And I think I just took that on. And I suppose if I'd reached out and said, hey, I need more help, you know, I just didn't. I I wanted to do it. You know, I, I think... Because you're a fixer. And, and there's just something about... You know, what they did for me, I could never have gone down the road that I went down. I remember my dad pushing $5,000 in cash across the table at Tony Roma's. It was in the mid-80s. And I'd been working with a guy named Neil who said, you know, we got to just get down to Nashville and we got to record some of your songs. I really think you got a chance to get a record deal. And I think how long ago that was now. And we didn't have any money, but my dad... He pushed it across the table to, towards Neil and I, and he said, I want Jan to have a chance. And if you knew my dad and our relationship, it was so contrary to anything I knew about the guy. And I've never forgotten it. It was one of the most, it was the biggest gesture of caring that my dad ever showed me. Mm-hmm. That and learning how to change a tire. So that moment for me is something that is very indelible. So I think about, you know, going forward, I, and I, when I realized I got to look after these people, at first I was of duty. I felt very duty-oriented, and I'm like, I got to do this, and, and I felt sorry for myself, and I felt like I was missing out on life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I, I was filled with resentment. I was angry. You know, I remember one day going over there, like I was saying, can we? Can you tell us how to work the can opener? Can you help us reset the clock radio? I can't get it to go off at 5.30 a.m. It was an endless litany of stuff. And the one day I had marched over there, I bet you six or seven times, and I was going over there again. It was quite late. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I'd been in bed. I marched over there, no bra, rubber boots, you know, shorts with holes in them, came across the field. And when I came in the door, I burst in the door, and I was huffing and puffing, And my mom put her arms up in a defensive position like I was going to hit them or something. But I was so mad. And you carry that around you like Mm -hmm. a cloud. Mm -hmm. You wrap that around you like a shroud of Mm -hmm. hell. And she saw it and she felt it when I came in the door. And I really embarrassed myself.
um, I was ashamed of myself. And I caught myself, and I thought, what are you doing? Yeah. And I had to really look at the person I was. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's, you hear a lot about senior abuse and, and people, like, and I think that can take many forms. There's physical abuse, but there's also this mental abuse that we talked about earlier where we, we I, I found myself getting short with my mother too, and it's it's horrible because you feel so... As soon as I leave, I think, why couldn't I just be a little nicer about that? Why did why did I have to react that way? Why was I so she doesn't know how to use the remote, or so she asked me the same question six times or whatever, and and, and it's just so you yep. learn a lot about yourself and you learn and and you know what you also can see yourself. I think that's why we get frustrated, Jen. I think we see ourselves. We can see the future, the future, bit. and yeah. we can and we see that that could be us and we don't want to think that that's going to be us, but we know it is. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky. And and but I also think there's a the patient side of it that's uh it's so incredibly important. And I I think even more so now when it would be easy for you to say, oh, my mom's in, got care. I don't need to be there every day, you know, whatever. Like it would be, but you just, you show, you soldier on and you represent so many people who need to find the courage and the strength to soldier on because it's, it's hard. I remember when, my, I mean, I can, my dad had cancer and I remember going up, he lived in Canmore and I remember driving, you know, very different issues. I mean, with your mom's Alzheimer's and, uh, and your well, father passed tough. Me, any illness, any like illness that. is tough. And I remember going up there and, and sitting with him. And I used to go, he was eating healthy. So I used to go to the community health food store here in Calgary. And I'd buy a bunch of healthy food and I'd take it up for him to eat, you know. And he'd be so grateful. And I, I just, it makes me cry. It's, it's all you're hindsight. You're saying you're crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all hindsight. Yeah. Uh, that shame and that. That disappointment in self for mm-hmm. knowing you can do better. Thinking you could have done more. Thinking you could have done more. Or did you or did you do enough? Yeah. And I believe me that that nips at my heels all the time, mm-hmm. Arlene. Um the only thing I can we continue to do Ward. we need Kleenex. <laughs> is there a Kleenex in here somewhere? Yeah. We're sitting here crying. Um, but I think that that's kind of what it is, right? It's 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 all right. I I can cry without Kleenex. She's already spilled something on her dress. That's right. <laughs> but how I, do you how do you find the how do you not find it emotional? You know, I spent so many years in denial and so many years kind of angry about losing mom and and being denied my my voice of reason and my mentor and my 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 shield my mom was my superpower you know there was nothing that she couldn't fix for me she just was always so reasonable and she economical very funny without ever knowing it i mean i've talked endlessly about my mom in my concerts for you know 25 years and because my dad was so tough maybe it made her look so angelic maybe she wasn't you know i wasn't always that nice you just thought i was and i'm thinking you were but she would do it for me I know my mom loved me yeah. beyond anything else in the world. I think she sacrificed a lot for all, all of us kids. She stayed with my dad when she should have left. I was left. just going to say that. She should have left him. She kicked him out once. 
through all his, he had to come back. She said, she kicked him out. She said he had to go to AA because he he was a drunk, and you know he reluctantly went. But she said, oh, and he had to. He made an excuse to come back. And I said, well, what did he do? She says, well, in his defense, he he took he took all his jackets and shirts but he didn't take any pants he left all his <laughs> pants he was in such a rush he was a smart man <laughs> and he i think he was away from the house for about four or five or six months and i remember it being so quiet and so nice and mom was okay and she wasn't crying i remember used to i used to hear her crying through the doorway it was always a jar she was in a we called it the ironing room it was stacked there was piles of ironing in there all the time. It was back in the day when people ironed effing everything. Sheets, pillowcases, socks, T-shirts, yeah. jeans. And mom would cry in there all the time. And, and that six months when he was gone, it was it was like a dream. She was working down the road at a little egg farm. She wanted to buy herself a car. You know, everything seemed light. Oh, was a, there was a the lightness because he wasn't there. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. it was a palpable change when he left the house. So my mom... You know, just she just she sacrificed that. You got you've been blessed with an amazing um, memory and recall of those things. You know, some people their history and their past. I, I think I'm one of those. You tend to compartmentalize it, and you don't really want to. You don't want to bring it forward because mm-hmm. either it's too painful to bring forward, or you you've just chosen to kind of push it back. And I always I, I love how you can bring things forward. There was a, a, a I was at an event oh, years ago with a, a lady, a counselor who had come in to work with a bunch of senior executive CEOs talking about kind of how you deal with issues in your family. And she did this wonderful exercise where she had you visualize your grandparents' hands on, you know, if you think about yourself standing there next to your husband if you're married, right, mm-hmm. or even by yourself, and behind you, your dad's on your left side and your mom's on your right side, and they both have their hands on each of your shoulders, right? So your mom's got her hand on your right shoulder, your dad's got your his hand on your left shoulder, and behind them is their parents and the oh. same thing, right? And she said what, what she, she'd make you go back to... And if you have children, then of course the children are in front of you. It's like an army. So then she, she, but what she did was really interesting. She said, all right, I want you to think about your great-grandparents. Think about your great-grandfather who's got his hand on your grandfather's shoulder. What do you think he's thinking about him? What do you know about your great-grandfather? And, you know, well, he was a pilot in the, in World War II. He, whatever the thing was mm-hmm. that you remember, um, he was never home. He was an alcoholic. He was never home. You know, whatever the things this the fellow that she was demonstrating this on was telling us all these things about his family. And she says, what do you think, um, what do you think he's thinking about your grandfather? And he says, well, he's, he's proud of him. And then she goes, okay, well, what do you think your grandfather's thinking about your father? And same thing, well, my grandfather was this and that. He, he did this for a living. He, um, he did, wasn't a great father. He wasn't home that much. What do you think he thinks about your father? Well, I think mm-hmm. he wishes he could have done more, but he's, you know, he's proud of him. And then she says, what do you think your father's thinking about you? And she, and, and, you know, the, the, you know, you had to stop and think this. We were all kind of mentally going through, what would I, what would my father be thinking about me with his hand on his shoulder? And, 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 you know, you had to start with what was your father about? So you would go, well, my dad was, you know, did, was this person and he wasn't as, you know, wasn't there as much or whatever the thing was that you recall about your father. And she said, what do you think he thinks of you? And you said, well, of course, I think he thinks he's proud of me, right? And, and, she, and then you went through that with your father and your mother down the line. And then she said, 
when you think about all the things each of those generations did right or wrong, whether they were whether they were alcoholics, whether they had depression issues, whether they were not home enough, whether they didn't have money, whatever they did, she said, what you can remember is that they did the best job they could. Mm. And, and, and if we think that way about our parents, that they did the best job they possibly could, given their circumstances, given when they grew up, given what they had in front of them and the tools they had to work with, given who they were, if we can think about that for ourselves and our parents and say that we're all doing the best job we can, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we did a great job. It doesn't mean that we did the best job somebody else could have done or the job we would have done ourselves, but mm-hmm. they did the best job they can. And I feel like you lived that. As a grown-up person, as an adult who was deemed as someone who is successful, and I had a job that, you know, people are looking at going, oh, she's got it all, you know, she's so together. I'm like, oh, God, if you only knew. So that gave me perspective. And I think experience gives you perspective. So I actually, my dad crossed my mind a lot when I was trying to quit, when I was, you know, just finding sobriety and what that meant to me. And my dad quit drinking like 25 years ago. And I did. I thought about him. I thought about what it took for him to pack that up. I thought about him choosing us over alcohol. And a lot of kids don't get that lucky. Their parents don't choose them. They they can't undo what alcohol has done. You know, you, there's a lot of alcoholics that don't make it back from that. It's as simple as that. But, you know, and I thought, gosh, you know, he did, he loved us. He couldn't say it right. He couldn't articulate it somehow. But I, I knew he was proud of me. I, I, I just, I knew he was when he passed away. I may, I may have told you this in his pickup truck, which I still have in, in the garage, in their garage, um, in the uh, armrest, there used to be a place for eight tracks. <laughs> and every, there was 10 spots on his truck, 10 eight-track spots, and all of them were my records. Oh, wow. That's amazing. See, that's And just, I've left them in there. So as, like, yeah. yeah, so. They might rit- not have said it, but no, they, they The ritual it. of undoing and unfolding your parents' lives when they pass over, when you're going, especially someone who's had a household. I mean, they dragged all this stuff from our other house of 40 years into this new place. Yeah. Um, there's a box, a huge box that is every newspaper clipping of me that you could I, – I looked – I don't even know how I'm going to go through it all. It's thousands of bits of papers. If I was mentioned in an article about something, my not my mom, my dad had cut it out. Yeah. My dad has a map in his shop. It's still up there. It's a world map. And I kind of knew about it. I don't know why I didn't pay much attention to it. <laughs> every place I ever went – on, in the world, and I traveled like nonstop for 20 years. There's a red pin. Really? Helsinki, and I mean, all these crazy places. There's a red pin in it, and there's, it's still sitting in his shop. So, someone who never spoke to me, someone who never had a conversation with me, um, was so. Was watching loved me. You so much and watched was watching you and, me. Was, and didn't. Well, and you've you've done a really good job of, as I said, you've not just forgiving, but figuring out how to build a relationship in spite of all of those early years of your child and what you went through. And and then now with your with your mom, doing what you're doing to support her. I mean, as I said, I I feel like I'm a I'm a good daughter, but I feel like 
you have you're doing you, the best you can I, 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 we all are right and that's what we have to keep telling and and that means that means trying you know it'd be one thing Arlene, right if you weren't you know communicating with her or if you were always in a state of anger you're always trying to step up and be better and i am too yeah. I, I don't god i don't always I, I seldom get it right and you know even when i go up there i only stay a couple of hours and i always feel bad that it's only a couple of hours but i have had it I can't stay there another second. You know, there's a group of, there's a community up there, but they all have Alzheimer's. It is like uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest up there. It's very funny. They're whacking balloons around. The staff is amazing. I'm, I'm so fortunate that I can afford this. Yeah, that and that is what's because wrong with our healthcare system. There you go. And, and, with, and not just our healthcare system, but w- with North Americans' view on aging i mean you go to some asian communities and some european communities they have filial they, piety they, they look after them they they, they absorb com- them into the family they do they come and live with them they, yes they stay with them filipino they, japan yes, yeah. asia india I and mean, they respect them i mean they're treated with the utmost respect right and Whereas, you get their meals and you yes. get their tea and you look after and, them and, and you wipe great. their butts yeah and, not, not, and everyone's responsible. America. The grandchildren, yeah. the great-grandchildren, everyone is responsible. Yeah. Here, we take them, we compartmentalize that, we stick them in an institution. Well, I think, but, I, okay, but, oh, so in, in defense of that, because okay. I think there's people, I don't want people to think, I can't keep my mom at home. I was going to say, I couldn't, I don't know, because I travel too much. No I guess way. If I, unless I gave up everything I could. I would and be, then I I would be chronically home. depressed. Yeah, that's just it, right? There's a, it's a trade-off, and it's a hard trade-off, and it doesn't, some people just can't cope with it and some people can't some parents don't want to live with their kids like let's go the other way there's some parents that go i don't want to live with you no um like i had gonna... my my mom did live with me for a while and she couldn't she was too alone like i was traveling too much and even if she, there was people around she felt lonely so like she needed she needs well, she's to got be, a boyfriend now she's got a boyfriend now i i love that she has a boyfriend are they making out i've seen well i don't not in front of me not in front of you but she does they do they're very kind well, where my other. mom is there's a couple of people that have hooked up and they're making out like i'm serious like honkle to- or tonsil hockey honkle tonky i have a new word called honkle tonky honkle tonky <laughs> tonsil hockey but you know and they're they're making out and you know the staff does their best they they don't split them up or anything i mean these are people that have earned their way and like anything else i think sexuality with alzheimer's I don't think, is really? it's a very primal um it's 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 in their it's like some it's a memory that they don't have to that's part of your biology like with alzheimer's i don't think any of them forget that they don't forget their sexuality so it's very interesting what happens but i'm i'm glad for her too i you know how great is it to have a relationship where the person has their own room where it can always be on your your own terms and you don't have to worry about, you know, what, you know, they don't have to move in with you. Like, she's got the best of both worlds. She does. I think, listen, I think she's, all I care about at the end of the day, and I, and I mean this, is I am happy, I see a happiness in her that I haven't seen for a few years. And I see a, um, I feel like up to that point, and it takes she, the she was waiting. You. She was waiting to die. 
up until that point,、oh. she was. It was, you know, why people shouldn't live to this age? Why do they need to live to this age? We're just a burden on. So,、oh. like, why do we need to be old? Old is not fun. I can't do the things they used to. And I get that. Like, I I empathize with that. But she kind of had lost any real. Purpose,、mm-hmm. you know, like she knew she had her, she had us as family. But do you think、family. the community has helped that? I think no, because she was she, already in that community. I think, I think,、oh, okay. I think she just found a joy that only probably love can bring, right? No matter what age you are, right?、Exactly. And she found this, she found this, this, this reason that somebody else cared that every day that she was there. And even though her family did, her family's not there every minute of every day, right? And so I think for her it was that there was something. And she doesn't care that you are. No, not not anymore. She doesn't need you living around. Well, further to that, just kind of hooking this thought onto your mom having this this boyfriend. My mom has a pal in there. Her、yes. name is Gloria. Yeah. And Gloria also Alzheimer's. Everyone on that floor is Alzheimer's.、Um, You know, and they are like I liken it to two nine-year-olds that you take and you drop off to summer camp, and somehow through the miracle on one summer day, on halfway through camp on the Wednesday, they finally meet each other and they find out that they're you know like-minded and they like canoeing and they like the archery and and they and and by the time Saturday rolls around when they have to leave each other, it's so sad and they wish that Gosh, why didn't we meet on the Sunday last week? You know, we would have had three extra days. <laughs> really? And and that my mom and Gloria are she calls herself Glow. So Glow. if Glow's family's listening, your mom's awesome.、Um, they are such pals. I gotta give you an example of one of their conversations, which、okay. is hilarious.、Okay. This is to all Alzheimer's she? people. She's eighty. She 80. just turned eighty. My mom will be eighty-two the end of August. Okay. So my mom will say, "Well, you'd think they could wash those windows, Gloria. Well, that dog has been there for so long." <laughs> my mom would say, "Well, when did we go to the circus?" <laughs> Well, that makes sense. And then, okay, well, I get it. Like, I'm following this conversation. Well, my husband didn't even know that we had. I had left the farm.、Uh, There's no joiners, and then they laugh, and I'm sitting there looking at him, going, "I, I did I drop acid?" Like what is going on? <laughs> well, first of all, I、so、hope you、cute. didn't. But they're so cute. But I love that she's got companionship, and that she's happy in that companionship, no matter what. Like, like you said, as long as she's not sitting there, you know, like completely. I don't know. I, I, I think it's. I think it's. I could go on is, and on、yeah. and on about this, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you you do the best you can. You learn as you go. Every every parent is going to be different. You're. I can't give you. You know. Really, any advice other than to trust yourself, be kind, be tolerant, and go where they go. I always tell people, whatever happens, go where they go. Even if it's、yeah. someone with cancer, even if it's、yeah. if it's a different disease other than Alzheimer's, you don't. I think our desire to be right cannot trump a person's personal happiness. You have to let go of the desire or their to be own、right. choices or、yes. their own choices. And you know that that could lead into a whole conversation of assisted dying and like you know. And I, we I, will I, get there. I, you know, I remember when my dad was、uh, very ill, and the doctor had given him like you know three to six months to live when they found his cancer. And he made a decision because my dad had a PhD in education, and he was a he was a guy who researched everything. 
um, as an educator. And he decided that he was going to learn everything he could possibly learn about this disease. And he set on a mission. And he did a whole bunch of alternative treatments at a time when nobody was doing alternative treatments. And I thought I kept saying to him, Dad, like, what do you what do you mean you're going to go get your chakras red or you're going to go get magnetic therapy in the, the hills of BC or you're going to New York to learn how to cook macrobiotic food or he did all of that and you know he wrote fashionable way before and he ended up writing a book of that journey but as a as an observer as somebody who cared for him and loved him and wanted him to do the things I thought were the right things chemo go go and do all that stuff Yeah. yeah exactly and he he made a choice. He fought the system when they, the doc said, you can't have your medical records. Or, you know, they're medical records. And my dad said, that's my body, and those records are, are on my health, and I can. And he fought that. And he was just confident and, and said, you know what, there's, there's got to be some, something right about modern medicine and something right about ancient medicine. And there's something right about, you know, kind of it's new a, age it's a medicine. Conglomeration. And you need and that's what he believed, that it was all of those things. And you have to let people run and live their own lives. Your mom, you know, with her friend and believing that the moment she's in, my mom with her boyfriend and, you know, finding the happiness she's finding. Anyhow, <laughs> Jan, I you've made me uh, we've we've cried and yeah. I, I, I need to Yeah. I need to go catch a plane. Yeah, you need to catch a plane. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today, everybody, and we'll be back with business Lord only life. knows what's going to be next, but the business of life is indeed the business of life. Yeah, it's it's, it's business. It's business of life is uh, life. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 whatever it is. Yeah. It is a weird, weird world. Be yourself. The Business of Life with Jan Arden and Arlene Dickinson. 